0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. One, two, okay, here we go. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's wonderful to be back with you uh, this morning. Uh, you can see, remember, the clocks went forward. I thank God for iPhone does it automatically, but uh, good to see you this morning, and I hope this message really blesses you as it has me, and uh, let's have the picture of our first slide um, as I begin the introduction here. Um, Yeah, so here's a picture of a wilderness. Um, You know, this is a reality we see many times used in the Bible for God to do things with his people. And, you know, thank God that he doesn't lead you and I into a literal wilderness. Um, You know, but there are metaphoric wildernesses that the Lord will take us into. And there are seasons in our Christian walk. Uh, You might be in a wilderness season, you might not. But there will be seasons God will take us into some kind of wilderness for a purpose that he has prescribed for our lives. I was talking, uh, we were talking to our son uh, yesterday uh, in uh, Kenya. He's on the equator there. And uh, he said, it's so hot, Dad. Um, It's just hot all the time. And, you know, in a hot environment, it's difficult to survive. You realize you do need some help. You need something to be with you. And this is why God leads us into wilderness experiences to teach us things. It's not to leave us there. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. You might be in a season of a wilderness in your life. It's not forever. It might just be a a short, intense time. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. That was a relatively short time. Others, Elijah was in a wilderness time when there was a famine And he was fed by ravens, and then he went to the the widow's house. That was for three years. So we don't know the duration of the time. God only knows. But he has a specific purpose to prepare you for what is coming next. And the scripture the Lord has uh, quickened to me recently, that's really blessed and encouraged me, is found in Hosea. Uh, If you can uh, get that on the screen, please, Hosea. Chapter 2. And I'm using the Young's literal translation. I find uh, this translation very helpful in bringing out uh, some key points of what the Hebrew is saying. Okay, verse 14 says, Therefore, lo, I'm enticing her. This is speaking of Israel as a nation. And I have caused her to go to the wilderness. And I have spoken unto her heart and had given to her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for an opening of hope. And she hath responded there as in the days of her youth and as in the day of her coming up out of the land of Egypt. Amen. i like just to pray. Father, we thank you that... Our lives are in your hands. And Lord, as you spoke to Israel, that their walls were continually before you. You understand our situation. You are well acquainted with every aspect of our lives, better than we could ever possibly be. And Lord, we want to receive your word this morning. Lord, we have fresh ears to hear. Lord, we need your word. Speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first of all, let's talk about wilderness experiences. Um, let's have our, our verse here. It says, Therefore, in, in verse 14, Lo, I am enticing her and have caused her to go to the wilderness. This is an intriguing uh, passage, a uh, scripture here, because it's saying here that the Lord is enticing. Other translations, the New King James says, the Lord has allured. Now we don't, you know, equate God tempting us. The, the scripture says God does not tempt, right? He doesn't, if you're tempted in whatever arena in life, it's not the Lord doing that. There's something, it's the enemy, it's, it's, it's the flesh nature that's being pulled on, and the Lord is not in that. But here we have a moment where the Lord is leading or or directing his people into a wilderness. We see this clearly of Jesus, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness after he was baptized. He had a time of testing. He came back, the Bible says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. God worked his purpose in that moment. We know that with Israel, as they came out of Egypt, God deliberately took them a long way to the land of Canaan. And by and large, that was through a wilderness. And it was his deliberate working. We see of John the Baptist. Amen. He was in the wilderness, the Bible says, before, amen, he was called to, to speak forth for the Lord. And he was there eating uh, wild honey and locusts in the wilderness. We see over and over in the word of God that he uses the wilderness. So he will entice. He will sometimes arrange life in such a way that you are in the will of God in the wilderness. Because we naturally think that if life is difficult or challenging, something is wrong. Maybe I've missed God. Perhaps I've made a wrong choice. Or I don't understand. This seems all confusing to me. And and we we don't always recognize it's the Lord's hand that has led us there. I know there are times we can make wrong choices. There are times, you know, we can make our bed and have to lie in that. But there are definite times in the scheme of God that he will lead you into a wilderness. I looked up a, a dictionary definition and... Um, you can perhaps, I think it's the next slide. There are three words that describe a wilderness. It says, a state of neglect, powerlessness, or disfavor. Sometimes in life we feel neglected. Sometimes we feel overlooked. We're in a situation and and we just don't feel people are appreciating us or, or we even feel that God is neglecting us. Have you ever had prayers that have not been answered or seemingly answered at that moment? And you think, God, are you listening? God, are you are you really with me? We can begin to wonder at times. We have no sense. Of, of his blessing on our lives, and, and we, can, we can begin to draw wrong conclusions. It's a place of powerlessness, a wilderness. If you're out in a, a literal wilderness, you know, you have no power to cause things to grow. It's dry, it's hot, and you just have to survive. You wished you could. You wish, oh, I could make a shelter. I'd love there to be a spring and which get refreshing. But you just have to survive. You feel powerless, and there are situations in our lives that we are powerless against. It feels, for a season at least. It could be a financial powerlessness. We've done all we could do. I remember a time I felt distinctly led. I was, I was wanting to better myself in, in, in my job. This is when I was in Norwich. And I thought, you know, I'm going to self-learn. So I, I taught myself. I, I learned to become a mortgage advisor. Um, I, my reasoning behind that was I could be my own boss, if you like, work self-employed, um, and, and you have to use this. And to go into ministry... And work a job and be a little bit flexible with that so I could manage my time. I, and I definitely felt the Lord leading me to do this. So I, I learned, got qualified, a door opened. I started to be able to practice in an office. And just as I was qualified and ready to go, we had the financial crash in 2008. I don't know if people remember that. I couldn't believe it, the timing. <laughs> I was right ready. And, and then and the, the, the frustration with all of this was that, you know, the best deals were with the intermediaries, which is what I was doing. But when the financial crash took place to keep the branches afloat, the various banks and building societies, they gave the best deals on the high street. And the intermediaries didn't have the best deals anymore. And I just had to say to people, You've got the better deal, uh, uh, you know. Nationwide, whatever place they went into, it said, I, "I can't do any better than that." And I was like, "God, why have you done this? You have led me into this, and it put us under financial pressure." I said, "Okay, I'm going to believe God. God, you can, you know, you fed Elijah with ravens. You can. This is going to be a testimony for you, God. How you brought me through this difficult time, and I was, you know, launching out in faith and." And you know, buying leads and stuff, and just got a few mortgages done, arranged, and wasn't enough to live off. And eventually, after about six, seven, eight months, I had to quit. <laughs> you know, finances you know, we can't carry on doing this. And, and I had to get a, a job. And I was like, scratching my head, Lord, why, why all of that? It was a wilderness. But it wasn't long after that that the Lord led us into a ministry in Bury St. Edmunds. And it was a, it was a, a tremendous blessing. The church um, was a very financial church, and we were able to do so much. And I think the understanding I had, the learning, was able to help me appreciate what we could do. And we did all kinds of things as a church, though we were relatively small. We were able to invest overseas. We sent missions. We did all kinds of things. And I felt that was preparation. And you begin to realize, okay, God, that's why perhaps you allowed that. But at the time, I was just so frustrated. Powerless it felt. It's a place of disfavor, or or what feels like disfavor. And it's a season. You feel like, God, why aren't you helping me? In my in your job or with my family, or or whatever it is in your particular wilderness, if you're in one this morning, you're like, God, where are you? Where is your favor? We believe in the favor of God as God's people. We know we are highly favored, it says in Ephesians. And that word is also used of Mary, who is highly favored. But what did Mary go through? She went through challenging times, but she was highly favored So again, don't equate this kind of sense of of disfavor as God's anger with you. God absolutely loved Mary. His favor was absolutely on her life. But she had to flee to Egypt. That was not easy. She had to travel pregnant, riding a donkey. That wasn't easy. Amen. She had to run for their lives. Yet God was with her every step. There are seasons in life. that We don't always understand why. But there are, pre- there are preparation for what God sees ahead. Our next verse in our text says very simply, And I have spoken unto her heart. I like this, again, this translation, because this really brings out what it's saying here. I have spoken, and I have spoken unto her heart. See, when you're in a wilderness time, really why God is allowing this, because it's you and his word. That's all you have. It's you and his word. And that is God's setup. Because God is so serious for us to understand the power of his word. And to know that by simply trusting and getting his word into our hearts, we will have the answers to our problem. We will have the solution we're seeking. We will know something of God in a unique way in that moment. And maybe you're at that place. You don't know what to do. You've tried all you can to remedy this problem and it doesn't work. You have prayed. And I say, keep praying, but know his word. What does his word say? And get that word into your heart. When Jesus was led to the wilderness, he just had the word. Because he said, it is written, and he declared it to the enemy. And the Bible says that when he came back, he was in power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what God. He's wanting that word to give, give way to God's power. Working through your life. And it only comes through by being alone with the word. In the wilderness experiences of life. This is the perspective God wants us to have. He's, it's a season that he's allowing in your life. But to teach you something. It says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 it says so he humbled you allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not which you um, which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God, this is God's set up for Israel. He let them hunger. He let them go about a meal or two. We don't like that, do we? We soon, you know, get agitated. And He knew what would get to them. And, and He let them hunger just for a season. It was just for a short time. We don't know how long it was maybe a day, maybe two. But they had no food. And they were like in this, this difficult place. It's hot. There's nothing around. It's barren around them, just a few dry plants. And he said, I want you to know something that he might make you know. See, so this is what God is doing. In your life, in these wilderness seasons you go through, maybe you've just come out of one, and you, you, yeah, yeah, I get it. This is what helped me. This is what I realized God was saying to me because His Word becomes personal to you. His Word becomes yours. It becomes a basis in your life. It's no longer just just knowing as something that's theoretical. You know, we quote scripture and we need to quote scripture. But sometimes it's just mostly in our head. And and God wants that to really be a, a foundational element in our life. That we know it to be true. That we know it is powerful. Jesus said his word is like a seed. And the seed, that's such a small thing. Within that seed has the power to produce A huge tree. It's it's in the seed. And once that seed is planted, it grows. And once God's word is able to find root in your heart, it will do something. It will begin to transform from within. And this is what the Lord is, is jealous for us to know. He really wants us to know that His Word is sufficient for us. That His Word has the answer that we're looking for. You know, when you think about how God created all things, it all begins with His Word. He said, "It is written." Sorry, let there be light. God said, <laughs> "Um," and it's His Word. God's word is the basis of all things. I was thinking of DNA. You know, it's a relatively new discovery in science. And, you know, it makes me laugh now how it kind of just, the more they discover now, the more it flips evolution on its head, you know? Um, and anyway, with DNA, it's information, essentially. It's, a, it's like a codal. It's a codal thing, like incredible information contained in this, these DNA cells. Every cell of your body has DNA. Amazing how God, and, and it's just, it's like the word. It's like information. It's truth. And the whole basis of life, the Bible says that all things are held together by his word. I mean, it's His Word. Amen. You were made because of His Word. When God said to Adam and Eve, multiply, fill the earth, you came about in process of time. You are from His Word. And His Word is so incredibly powerful. Jesus is called the Word of God. He is the Word manifest in flesh. This is how powerful the word is. And God wants us to know it. And the problem is, and as we see with Israel, for many, they didn't really know it, even though they went through the wilderness. And the best thing we can do when we have no answers, when we, we've tried all we can, is to get alone with his word. And the Holy Spirit is our wonderful ally. He is God's helper to us. He says he will bring truth to remembrance. I mean, he will bring the word to you in season. What you need to hear at that moment. The answer to you that as you meditate on that word. He said to Joshua, as you meditate on this day and night, you will be successful, Joshua. Not because of your great ability, not just because you're courageous, not because of any of these things, but because of the word that you're meditating on will prosper you. When John prayed, he said, I pray that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Well, how does our soul prosper? By the word, by us knowing the word, by us receiving the word. And getting it into our heart. And for most of us, that only really comes when we go through challenging times. When we go through a wilderness and we need something to hold on to. Because we have nothing else. There's some pretty intense wildernesses that we can experience. And again, it's not that the Lord is seeking to destroy us or to harm us. Again, that was the first generation uh, of Israel's mistake. They kept saying, Lord, you brought us here to kill us. God, this is so hard. Lord, you must be against us. And, and, And God, you're so gracious with them. That was not what he was doing. He wanted them to know something that he didn't know. That he is faithful. That it doesn't matter what they're facing. No water. Trust his word. You'll have water. Enemies coming against you, bigger and stronger than you. You have his word and you'll have victory. And finally, says, and given to her, her vineyards from thence. From where? From thence. From that place of receiving his word. When you're in a wilderness, what you long for is fruitfulness. When you're in the wilderness, you long for something fresh to spring forth. You're desperate. You cannot change things. And you, you, not, you want something Amen, new to come about. And it does come about. From thence, from that place where you're receiving his word. Many times this is how healing comes. Don't be discouraged if there is physical condition that you haven't yet found healing for. Don't conclude that, oh, maybe this is for what the Lord wants me to bear. No, the word. Many Miracles come as we just simply hold to His word. We hold it in our heart. We pray His word. We declare His word over our lives, and we say, Look, "This has to be true." And I'm I'm putting everything on this. And then from that, from thence comes the vineyards. Oh, thank God for the vineyards. Amen. God has vineyards waiting for you. God has places of, 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 of fruitfulness and, and of joy and of blessing. This is what God wants to do for all His people. Amen. He doesn't want you to remain in the wilderness. He wants that to give way to something beautiful, expressed through your life towards your family. You know, as believers here, people watch us. There are family members here that aren't Christian in your family, and, and you they watch, especially when life is challenging. They want to see, what's this person really made of, you know? Talk about God. What's really going on, you know? And there's nothing like a challenge that reveals what we believe. I remember reading a book and... Um, I can't remember the title now, but the guy talked about, you know, sometimes in the church are practical atheists. You know? <laughs> like practically, we don't really trust God. You know, we, we say we do, but when the rubber hits the road, let's not be practical atheists. We do believe God is a very present help in time of need. Amen? amen. We do believe, amen, that God is near and close at hand. And whoever calls on his name, he responds. From thence, I can only encourage you, if you're in the wilderness today, is hold to his word, because it has the answer. From thence will spring forth vineyards for you. That perplexity, that situation, he wants to spring forth. He wants to do something so good. David called it, amen, he'll prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That sounds really good. People are coming against you. People are speaking. saying all kinds of stuff. Amen. God wants to lay a table. Amen. In the presence of your enemies, they see you blessed, in other words. They see God's favor come to you. You don't have to say anything. (laughs) It says it all. What God is going to do. But in that season, hold to his word. Then he says, and the valley of Achor... For an opening of hope in the valley of Acor, for an opening of hope. Now, Acor in the Bible became synonymous for a place of failure, of defeat, of weakness, and even sin consciousness. You can just have flick up the next slide. It was Achor. Akin was the name of the man who God told Israel to go and they attacked Jericho, which is like the first city within the land of Canaan. And it was, you know, we know the amazing miracle that the Lord did that, but he was very specific with them. He said, Look, this city, dedicate everything to me. It was like the Tide City, you could say. Because all the other cities they, they destroyed, he said, Take it all, it's yours. Have it. Be blessed. But the first city, he said, no, don't take anything for yourself of value. This is, let it be a, a, an offering to the Lord. And sadly, this man, Achan, he was covetous. He saw something, a few little things. Oh, you know, no one will notice. So he sticks it under his tent. And they, they nobody, none of Israel knows this. They go out to a battle, a small town called Ai. Maybe three, four thousand people. No problem. We'll take that. We're just taking Jericho, man. I mean, like, wolves as, as wide as, you know, chariots. And, and God, you know, God's with us. Just send a few thousand people from each tribe. No problem. And they go to attack. And they were defeated. I think 36 men died. And Josh is on his face. God. Where are you? What's going on? He was like perplexed. And God says, Stand up. <laughs> what are you on your face? Israel sinned. That's what's going on here. I didn't intend this to happen. And of course they, they find out through the process of casting lots, and, and and Achan was singled out. And he confessed and said, Yeah, I, I took it. And back in this Old Testament, remember. And there was a judgment pronounced and he had to die. And a heap of stones was placed over him. And so this became synonymous for Israel in the succeeding generations. Because everyone knew about that story. They knew what happened. And yet in this text, God is saying, and in that place of Achor, in that valley of where quite probably the stones were still standing and they could all see, is going to be an opening of hope. Some of the things you wrestle with most, I think, when we're in a wilderness time, because a lot of things come to the surface. When life is hard, when life is challenging, when there are frustrations, things bubble up. <laughs> things come up that you, oh, I didn't know that was there. Attitude sometimes. And it's not nice. We think God. And and we can become sin conscious. We become aware of our weakness. We could be aware of our failure. And we think, oh you know, we could always look back. Oh, I could have done it better. Oh, I maybe I I, I treat this person not quite right and that's why, and we, we have this consciousness of, of, of sin and failure. And yet God says to us, I'll bring a doorway of hope even from there. Even from that place in our life, if we simply bring it to him. David believed in God's mercy. That's why he received mercy, by the way. Even when he messed up big time, he still believed in God's mercy when he was confronted. And it goes on to say in Isaiah 55, it says, talks about the sure mercy of David. And that's available to us. It's a new covenant now. I mean, God's mercy is always greater than your failure. God's mercy, if you believe. And that's what the enemy does. He, can, he wants us to be sin conscious. It's an interesting debate about Judas in Scripture. You know, it's, you know of course, it's, it's said, you know, it's predicted. It was a prophecy. We know that one would betray Jesus. But at the same time, Jesus said to him, Friend, are you betraying me with a kiss? He reached out to Judas. I believe. I believe he still exhibited God's heart for Judas. friend. He didn't say it like to be sarcastic. He meant it. his friend, I still feel this way to you, Judas. And yet Judas couldn't believe. I mean, when he realized what he did long, he, he, there's no place in his heart to believe that there was mercy for him anymore. And so he takes his life. Perhaps, just perhaps, it's, don't, it's not some doctrinal thing here, but just perhaps, if he had waited long enough, and he heard about the resurrection, Maybe mercy, wow, maybe God can forgive me. Because God's mercy, says David said, his truth reaches to the clouds, but his mercy to the heavens. In other words, his mercy overextends beyond the truth. Sometimes we condemn ourselves. We, true. I did wrong. I know I did. I lied. And we beat ourselves up and, and we're conscious of sin. And we think it's written us off from any help. And we're in this dungeon of sin consciousness, a bit like um, Christian John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress in in the dungeon of despair. And then he realizes he has faith in a key. Oh, we have faith in his mercy. And that's what God wants us all to know, that if you would simply believe that through Christ... There is mercy to you. Jesus died for all the sins of the world. That means there's not a sin he didn't die for. And yes, as Christians, you know, we we sometimes, it's inexcusable, I should have known better. Yes, you should. But his mercy is greater. And if you'll believe, and God is so pleased when we believe in his mercy. That's why he was indignant with the Pharisees, they didn't. They got it. Heal on the Sabbath. They missed entirely the good things God was doing. But Jesus had all the time in the world for people who believed in his mercy. He said, come. It doesn't matter. The woman weeping at his feet, the woman caught in adultery goes on. They believed in his mercy. And finally it says, And she hath responded there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day of her coming up out of the land of Egypt. This is beautiful. Again, this, we, we don't know what period of time Hosea is speaking here. But he's referring them back to Israel's beginning as the people of God. As in the days of your youth. As in the day that you became my people for the, amen, as I chose you out of Egypt. And they plundered the Egyptians. And they saw all the mighty miracles of the Lord. And, and he marched out of there. And they, they got through the Red Sea. And they saw the great parting of the Red Sea. And the Bible says, Miriam, with, the, with, the, with all the ladies, went dancing with timbrels uh, and rejoicing. Look what the Lord has done. We are His people. He's destroyed our enemies. This is amazing. And you know, God is so pleased when you rejoice in Him. God wants to make you rejoice. God wants you to realize how good He is. And there are times that we, we struggle to rejoice. But God has promised, as we allow His Word into our heart, His Word will cause Amen, a freshness, a fresh responsiveness to God. Because he says, as you responded there in the days of your youth. See, sometimes God wants to bring us back to that first love. You know, we didn't love God. None of us did. We loved ourselves more than God. We just did our own thing. But yet, God, in His mercy. We once we realize Jesus, what He did, because God loves us despite our wrong, despite all the bad things. He said, I love you. I see value in who you are. I've not lost sight of your created purpose, and and Jesus came to bring it all back. And when we realize that, we're filled with such joy, aren't we? I remember when I first came to faith. I worked in a dark in a photographer's. I went to work the next day. I said, "I've got saved." You, what? Did you drown? <laughs> Honestly, that's what he said. Okay, doesn't understand saved. You know, we, we sometimes make these mistakes as Christians, don't we? The world doesn't know anything about Christian jargon. <laughs> so I, I got Jesus like, right. But I was just so overwhelmed with joy and wonder what God had done. And God wants to bring us back to that. Amen. This is how it is to serve him. With joy and gladness of heart, the Bible says. That's what God wants for all of us. That is not a drudgery to serve him. It's not a drudgery, you know, to to hold on to faith or to worship in in, in church. Whatever we do, he wants it to come out of a fresh responsiveness because we realize that what his word says is true for us. That his word is a treasure. As Paul said, in earthen vessels that we have this tremendous treasure. And as we allow that word, because there is a time for the seed to germinate in our hearts. Because sometimes we get discouraged, don't we? We, 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 You know, as we've been Christians for any length of time, we know we need the word. We know it's so important. It's foundational. And we're looking at the word. We're studying it. we're, We're meditating on scripture. And we don't see immediate change. And then we can get discouraged, but the seed needs time to germinate. You might remember those experiments you did at school. You know the bean, you know, the broad bean, with the blotting paper. You stick it in a glass jar. I don't know; it might be t- too obvious well for some people here, but <laughs> we stuck it in a glass jar, and you put a little bit of water at the bottom, and the moisture, of course, causes that bean to to germinate, and you see the. The roots come out first and of course it sprouts up. You get this you know, big bean plant. There's no soil whatsoever. It's just out of water and, and, and what's in the bean. It's amazing. But you know, the first day you see nothing. The second day you see nothing. And you're like, oh, is it going to work? But sure enough in time, that, that breaks forth. And it is with the word. That's why we need patience That's why we need to hold. Jesus said he commended the church in Revelation. You held fast to my word of patience. We patiently hold on to that word because that word will germinate. I love those pictures you get of the concrete, you know, and there's like a little, you know, tender shoot breaking through. It's amazing. Like concrete, how can that little shoot? Somehow it does. And it's just tender, but it's got so much power in that 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 germination will break through into your life. It will break through, amen, and bring a vineyard that you will drink and rejoice and people say, you're blessed. I can see it. God is with you and it's attractive to to the world. So what is your wilderness? What is it that you're frustrated about? Guaranteed. If you speak to any Christian here, there's going to be... <laughs> if you say, what is, are you frustrated about? Okay, let me tell you. God doesn't do these things to punish us. The enemy wants us to believe that. No, the Bible says he chastises those he loves, those he receives. I mean, it's actually a proof that God sees that you're worth it. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> But, when we remember that, it's like, thank God. He thinks I'm worth it to to allow all this to happen in my life to teach me some valuable lessons and to know how powerful His word is. But we always have a response. because it says in in that scripture in Hebrews that those who have been trained by it will bring forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, you know, again, because we, we're people and God love, gave us free will, we do have a choice. And so he will uh, permit things to happen because he loves us, because he sees the end from the beginning. He sees what it can produce in us. But yet we still have a choice, and that is to hold to his word. I'm, I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to trust Holy Spirit will help you, Amen. As you read the word, he'll just cause scripture to come alive to you. You think, wow, yeah, God, I know God's speaking to me. And it's not just to stop there, okay? Because we can get blessed immediately. We, Wow, thank God. No, he wants to go further. Because Peter says the prophetic word is like as the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart until the fullness of day. And so you begin, you get the light of the word and you begin to be blessed by it, but hold to that. Because that word is going to get stronger as you hold to the word. And it's going to get brighter for you. And there's so much more. And it's only in time as we meditate on that word day after day. And trust him. And that's causing that word to germinate. And that word will produce. Because the Lord said as, as I close, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish that which has been sent. Amen. It's not in your ability. It's not in your, you know, great sanctification because we can always do better. God doesn't measure us like that. He just wants us to trust and believe in his mercy and that his word has the answer. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church,